Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Well Then, where we continue to talk about all things love and emotional wellness this season on the podcast. I am so excited to continue to explore the topic of love today with you, with one of the most incredible guests who, when it comes to talking about love, I don't think there's anybody better. This person exudes the energy of love and radiates the most beautiful, light-filled presence of anyone you could ever imagine. And she also happens to be one of my friends and just an incredible person overall. And her name is Susie Marku Shifflin. She's the founder of The Copper Vessel. She's a sound healer, a Kundalini yoga teacher, a Reiki master, sobriety coach, and founder of The Sound Healers Academy. After years of struggling with anxiety, alcoholism, and addiction, Susie experienced an incredible transformation that helped to release her from darkness and led her to this radiant, abundant, and joyful life that she now lives. She has such an incredible and insightful love story as well, which we'll get into into on today's episode of the podcast in terms of the things that she recognized she needed to heal and overcome within herself in order to call in and cultivate a really beautiful and fulfilling love-filled relationship in her life. And you'll hear lots of the details of that and her amazing partner and the life they now live together in today's episode. And she'll also share a little bit about the science of sound healing and the actual vibration of the energy of love, the frequency that love resonates at and vibrates at. So uh, lots of good things in today's episode. I cannot wait to dive into it all with you and for you to hear from this amazing earth angel, Susie. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Hi, Susie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I truly have the biggest smile on my face just because I, as you know, we've talked about how excited I've been for this conversation, but also just being in your energy and your presence always makes me so happy and and fills my heart with so much joy and warmth and love because you are such a joy to be around. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a joy to be together. (laughs) As always. Yeah. For for those who don't know, everybody listening, Susie and I um, had the pleasure of being neighbors (laughs) when we first met in Santa Monica. Um, I don't even know how many years ago now, maybe five-ish, six, something like that. (laughs) Really is wild. And we're both in such different chapters now, but Um, We were both teaching at the same meditation studio at the time, and I became such a huge fan of your sound baths ever since then. And I'm so glad to still kind of be be in that orbit and in your world because what you offer is so healing and so powerful. Oh my gosh, thank you. Well, I'm so grateful that we've been on this journey together and for this beautiful journey. And I mean, everything you share and create and do is so beautiful and deep and important. And it's been so cool just the ways that our friendship and relationship personally and professionally has grown over these past few years. So thank you for all that you do. You really, you make such an important impact on the world and on the lives of so many. And thank you for having me here with you today. 
Thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> okay. So as you know, I've, I've kind of prepped you and everybody who's listening knows as well this season on my podcast, we're talking about all things love, which is probably my favorite topic on the planet to talk about and to go into. Yeah, <laughs> I know love is, is why we're here. It's, it's what we do <laughs> and yeah. who we are. And so I know that there's a lot of different places we can take this conversation, but I would love if we start with a little bit of um, just explaining a little bit more around what sound healing is for people who are maybe unfamiliar with it and kind of give some context to the work that you do. Absolutely. So, and I love, I love this invitation to talk about sound healing, you know, under the premise of love, right. And like the frequency of love, because for me, that's what sound healing has been. And that's what it's taught me. And that's what it's helped me to embody is just this frequency of unconditional love. So for me, um, I play crystal alchemy singing bowls and each bowl that I play is tuned to a different frequency, a different note. The notes correspond with different chakras and different endocrine glands. So from the root chakra, which is for grounding to the heart chakra, which of course has so much to do with love. Um, the sounds that the bowls create help to open, activate, clear and align the energy in our bodies and, you know, in our energy centers, which are our chakras so that we can come back to a state of balance and harmony. And what I believe and what I've experienced and found through this work is that when we are in that place of balance and harmony, we're in an experience of love because unconditional love is it's oneness. It's unconditional. It's, it's all that truly exists, you know, and, I think in this world we live in today, there can be so many things that we experience, you know, traumas, heartbreak, um, hurt, loss, grief, whatever it may be, disappointment. Um, And we can get out of alignment. We can get out of harmony. We can get out of balance, both physically, energetically, and spiritually. And um, we end up sort of in this frequency of fear. You know, we feel like we have to watch our back. We feel like we have to protect ourselves. where that's really the illusion. Like fear is the illusion. And when we can let go of that and shift out of it into love, we can feel that experience of oneness again. And that's where healing takes place. And that's, you know, wonderful to talk about, but like, how do you get to that when you're really in a tough time? And for me, I've been through some tough times. I had major struggles with alcohol and taking pills and major, major heartbreak and heartache. And um, when I was in my deepest, darkest depths of despair and feeling so lost and alone, I had such a hard time shifting out of that state of fear. And by going to sound baths, that shift began to happen very naturally and very effortlessly. And I didn't even know what was happening at the time. I just knew that it felt really good. And I finally felt a sense of wholeness. And that's what sound healing, I think, has the capacity to do is to bring us back to that state of oneness and wholeness that is love, which is what we really are. So it's really something I love to share. It's something I love to talk about, love to teach about, love to teach people how to become sound healers because I feel like it's like spreading love, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that you can tangibly feel when you attend a sound bath, you can, you can actually feel the difference that the, that the vibrations 
have on you and the change that occurs in your body and your energy and your physiology at the end of that, that hour or however long you're laying there, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, so when it comes to sound healing in particular, and you're talking about it being about love really at its core, I know one thing that you talk about in your sound baths is, is that a lot of the um, beautiful crystal alchemy bowls that you have uh, have different properties to them and they're all tuned to different frequencies. So can you talk for a moment just about the different frequencies of some of these emotional states and vibrational states like love and unconditional love? Yes, definitely. So in sound healing, there's typically three tunings that we're working with. Um, the first being 432 Hertz. And that is a tuning that's associated, it's a frequency that's associated with nature. It's very natural. It's very grounding. Um, it helps us to feel connected to the earth. Another frequency that many bulls are tuned to, um, which is very much a musical frequency, is 440 hertz. And that's the frequency of modern day music. So if you're listening to music on the radio, the tuning is 440. It's not associated with any particularly healing properties. In fact, there's actually some controversy around it because music used to be tuned to 432, um, which is healing and grounding. And it was changed in, in the mid 1900s. Um, like I said, there's, that's a bigger conversation, the conspiracy <laughs> theories around that. But the third tuning that we work with in sound healing, which is one that I love so much is um, it's a tuning that's a solfeggio frequency and it's 528 Hertz, which is known to be the frequency of unconditional love, DNA repair and total healing. And so when we're working with um, bowls uh, that are creating sounds that are tuned to that frequency. That's really the energy that we're bringing in. Mm, it's so beautiful, so powerful too. And I had no idea about music. So all like all music on the radio is tuned to the same frequency? For the most part. I mean, some artists will sort of go rogue, but um, for the most part, yes. Um, wow. Music today is tuned to 440. Mm-hmm. That is so wild. And it's interesting that like, you know, those numbers don't sound very far apart for 40 and 432, but that there's such a profound difference that such a big difference. Well, and I mean, even if you look at the number 432 and there's, there's an incredible um, man named Eric Rinkin, and he's done a lot of work on sonic geometry and he has cool videos on YouTube. And I was at the Integratron and um, Joshua tree and had the opportunity to learn from him and experience his magic. But he talks a lot about, you know, the numbers and about sacred geometry and four, three, and two, um, it adds up to, you know, sacred number of nine. So it's working with really the numbers and the geometry that our, our planet is built off of. So it's really cool. So powerful. and so cool that like, th- this is, you get to learn about this stuff and like practice this stuff on a daily basis. Well, that's <laughs> a cool thing to be doing in your, in your purpose and your passion in life. Yes. Dream job for sure. Yes, <laughs> totally. So I love the, the definition of love that you just gave and all of the kind of terms and words and associated states of being that come along with it. And I'm assuming, but correct me if I'm wrong, that I'm sure sound healing had a big role in helping you to come into that 
definition or, or realization of, of what love means to you, was there a big shift for you in what you thought love was prior to coming into, into this world of sound healing and spirituality and healing in general? Mm, such a good question. And yes, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, before I really embarked on this path and started working with sound, um, my experience was love, I would say was like kind of transactional, you know? Um, I mean, that be, and I think like when I would think about love, I would think about like um, partnership, a relationship, you know, dating, romance, and like, if you love me, you'll do this for me. If I love you, I'll do that for you, that kind of thing. Um, and I feel like I used to live in a way and exist in relationships, relate with people in a way where like, I felt like I had to be a certain way in order to be worthy of love. You know, like if I wasn't smart enough or funny enough or sexy enough or pretty enough, um, or if I didn't say the right thing or do the right thing, I might lose love. Mm -hmm. And that was like a constant fear for me. And it led me to really, really suffer. And I think that's why I, you know, would drink alcohol and why I took anxiety medications and why I smoked pot and did drugs, because it was like, when I was in social settings, I didn't feel safe. Like I didn't feel like I was lovable, um, which for me, I can trace back to when I was really young and I was seven I started to experience a condition called alopecia. My hair started falling out. Um, and so if you're to see me today, I'm bald. I shaved my head a couple of years ago. Um, but for so much of my life, I felt like, you know, there was something wrong with me. I was ugly. I was a freak. If people found out that I had bald spots, they wouldn't like me. Um, so that was kind of like when I was talking about fear, like the fearful state I existed in, you know, like what do I need to do in order to prove that I'm lovable? And as I started to go to sound baths and I, you know, got into meditation and spirituality and really shifting my frequency out of that state of fear and not enoughness, I started to really experience not just, you know, mentally, because, you know, we, there's so many great books you can read, you can read about it and you can talk about it, but it's the kind of thing where like, you can say the word ocean, but it doesn't get you wet. Hmm. Right. But like when you lie down in a sound bath, you do, you have that experience of like getting wet with love. Like it's like <laughs> washing over you and it's shifting something physically within you where it's beyond words, you know, and I've done therapy pretty much my whole life. And I've talked about this to all ends and tried to figure it out and unpack it, but that didn't create the shift. You know, it was finally by experiencing it and embodying it and shifting my, my physical frequency, right? Cause everything's energy, um, including us, like every cell in our body is vibrating and you can look at, you know, they do studies on, you know, when you say certain words to water, you know, and you say, yeah. I love you versus I hate you, the water will change structure. Mm -hmm. And we're largely made up of water ourselves. And so our thoughts have a huge impact and what people say to us have a huge impact. What we say to ourselves has a huge impact on our frequency and our, our physical and energetic structure. And so by starting to experience the frequency of love and loving words and loving intention and loving sound, um, I began to have that experience of like feeling 
the love of the ocean kind of thing where I'm like, wow, I'm like swimming in this ocean of love, not just like, oh, the ocean is nice, you know? Mm-hmm. So I lost my train of thought because I went on a tangent, but <laughs> no, but it's so, so powerful and important to, to make that distinction and also give something tangible that goes along with it. Because it's one thing to say like, yeah, love is who we are and, and we should all strive to be in the energy of unconditional love. But to somebody who's never heard that before or doesn't have the tools to, to tap into that, it can be like, okay, but how that's so vague and to have tools like sound healing and, you know, meditation and other kind of embodiment tools that can help get you there and actually align you with that frequency is so, so powerful. And also to just make that acknowledgement that while we will be talking about, you know, the story of a romantic relationship today, that love isn't just something that we earn or achieve outside of ourselves from somebody else, that it, that it really is who, who we are at our core. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So beautifully said it's who we are at our core. Oh, so, so, (laughs) so many good things that we can talk about in this realm in this arena, but I am excited to get into your love story a little bit, beautiful <laughs> partnership that you're, that you're living in right now. I know that we've talked a, a bit about it and you've, you've got a lot of exciting and cool things going on in that partnership right now. Mm. Um, can you just start by telling a little bit about how you met your partner, your, your current love story, and we'll go into some of the things that you had to heal and overcome within yourself in order to call in that love and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I met him, his name's Mark, <laughs> my fiance. Hi Mark. <laughs> Hi Mark. Are you listening? <laughs> um, Mark and I met, um, we're both sober. And so we met at a sober, um, meeting where I was actually teaching yoga, um, a few years ago. And it was a, a meeting that I taught yoga at every Tuesday night for years. And, um, I had been traveling that year. I had been really in a time of deep, you know, self exploration and deep healing and, and coming into the state that we were talking about of like really finding what it means to embody self-love. And that year I went to, I didn't plan any of this as it sounds, cause it turned into an eat, pray, love year, but I had gone to India and I prayed and I meditated and I practiced yoga And then a few months later, um, I had a trip planned to go to Bali and I was, as I was preparing to go, I was invited for this really cool opportunity to, um, go to Venice, Italy and teach at a festival there, share sound baths. So I ended up going to India and then I went to Italy and then I went to (laughs) Bali. And when I was in Italy, it was so, it was like, it was like a movie. It was my own version of Eat, Pray, Love because I was there in Venice and it was so romantic. And yet I was by myself and I remember just feeling this longing. I'd been single at that point for almost a year. Like I had not dated. I had set the intention. I was like, I'm really going to take this time for myself. Um, and so I was there in Venice and like, I rode on a gondola by myself at sunset and took myself on dates. And then I went to Bali and I led a retreat there, but I also had a really deep personal healing and clearing and released so much. Like when I was there, I actually broke out in hives and did all this energy. I was like having kind of like a, a purge, like an energetic clearing. And I just looked at my whole life and I said, 
where do I have any cords? Where do I have any lingering energies that I don't want to go home with? And like, mm-hmm. I was like Venmoing people money from years ago and like texting <laughs> people and saying like apologies and just clearing so much energy. And when I got back, literally five days later, this meeting that I normally taught at every Tuesday for years, um, Mark was there. And at the end he came up and I had said, I have a sound bath coming up and he asked about it. And I just remember thinking like, do I know you? Like he looked and felt so familiar. And I was like, is it because he's so handsome that I was, you know, that feeling like, oh, you're cute. Yeah. Or is it like, do I know you? Um, You know, after you travel, it can be, I always get disoriented. I'm like, totally. Right. But um, we hadn't, and he came to my next sound bath and then he slid into my DMs (laughs) (laughs) and he asked me to go have tea. Um, which was another really cool story, how that first date unfolded. Um, yeah. Should I tell you? <laughs> I, mean, I do love that story. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was a really, yeah, how the first date happened was a great like breakthrough moment for me because, you know, having been on my own at that point for a year, having developed this deep sense of self-love and like, I've got this and no one's really welcome in my space unless they're bringing a lot of value in. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked me, you know, he was like, do you want to go grab dessert? We met and he was like, let's go have, let's have dessert. And I was like, okay, this was a dinner. It was a tea at dinner time. So, um, <laughs> He's like, do you want to go up dessert? And I was like, sure. Dessert sounds fine. And he's like, great. We'll go to this place I love in Koreatown. It's like 30 minutes from here. And I froze. I was like, uh, <laughs> no, I've had a very busy day. I can't go to Koreatown. Like, I don't know where that place is. That doesn't feel like what I want to do. Uh, and so I said to him, I was like, let's just go to Cafe Gratitude. It's right around the corner. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, would you like a ride? And I said, no, thank you. I'm fine. I have a car. I'll meet you there. So I, I wouldn't receive. And then I drove over there. And as I was driving to meet him at Cafe Gratitude, I just had these images flashing before my eyes of, of people I had dated in the past where it was like, you know, I meet them. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You're this magical sound healer. Let's go out. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. Take me to this place that I know that feels safe and feels so familiar. And I'll tell you what to do when I take the lead, right? Which is yep. the masculine energy. Um, rather than surrendering and opening and receiving and trusting. And so as I'm driving there, I'm like, Susie, this is what you always do. Take control. And so we pull up in front of Cafe Gratitude and I said to him, I don't know why I don't want dessert for dinner. Let's go to Koreatown while you drive. (laughs) And so I got in the car with him and we went to Koreatown to this super cool place to have they call them trendy desserts these like frozen ice balls with condensed milk and it was totally outside my comfort zone um but we had so much fun and he was wonderful and um he was different than anyone else I'd ever dated and I just as we got to know each other continued to open to you know what could be possible here you know how can I open my heart how can I trust and um, believe that I've done all this work on myself and that if I'm attracting someone right now, they're exactly what I need, you know? And so I started to look for what was right instead of looking for what could go wrong. And it was so magical and it still is. (laughs) And I mean, that's such a beautiful story because it's, 
it's an example of, you know, you had already been doing so much work on yourself, but still in that moment, there was this lesson and this, this work to be done that you were, your, you know, normal way of being was being challenged, like in order Mm -hmm. to step into this invitation of what could become love, or just this invitation of connection with somebody, you had to let go of what was familiar and comfortable. And that can be really scary sometimes. Yeah, it's true. You know, and like, we get so I think sometimes in our own way. And I know I did for sure. Like I had my routines, I had my way of doing things. And this guy comes in and shows me a whole new way of, of life. And he still, he never ceases to amaze me. Even like, as I'm sitting here recording this today and in my office, which is, (laughs) we just moved into a new home and we, we had some plumbing issues. And so it exploded in my office and I was very determined. It's fine. I'll wait it out. I'll just work out of the kitchen until my office is ready. And he said, why don't you try this other room as your office? And I was like, no, no, no. And then I thought, okay, he, he's usually like has great perspectives when I open to what's possible through him. And it feels so good to be in this space, you know? And I think that's, that's it. Like in this relationship, I thought I, I, you know, I think I know, I think I know what I need. I think I know what, what love looks like. And of course I do know my needs. I know how to take care of myself, but I think so much of partnership and, and the greatest gifts of partnership come when we open to say like, well, what does this person have to offer? How can I listen? How can I seek to understand them? How can I seek to learn from them rather than like needing to be right all the time? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And also brings up a question for me, because one thing that I reflect on a lot and a lot of the clients I work with are people, women in particular, who have struggled to have a sense of self-identity and self-worth and go into relationships very willing to lose pieces and parts of themselves just for the sake of being with another person, being loved, being chosen. And so Mm. they end up taking on the identity of that of the partner and doing all the things they want to do and, and whatnot. But then for somebody like yourself, who already has this really strong sense of self and self-worth and identity going into the relationship, finding that balance of realizing that, oh, actually this other person in front of me has a lot to teach me too. So yeah, I, I guess, what do you think about like finding that middle ground? If you're on either end of the spectrum, either like too loose in your sense of self-identity and, and allowing other people to fill the holes too often versus being too rigid in it and not allowing people in. Yeah. And I mean, I think they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Right. And I've been on both sides of it where I've had relationships in the past and I was in a relationship previously that was for 11 years where I really, really lost myself and, um, was swept up in his world and his life and, um, didn't know who I was. And that's really what led me partially to my rock bottom and, and not knowing who I was, was, um, letting go of the things that had been important to me, you know, and really forgetting. And I think that then I got really, really strong and really clear. And I did so much work that it was almost like, okay, how can you soften and find the balance? Right. And I think that that's the practice in life and in, in relationship is finding that balance, knowing like what you need to do to fill your cup up and honoring that. Hmm. Um, and then being open and and always looking for love. So I think, you know, one of the, 
one of the biggest things that I find can be tricky, but is so important in relationship is first of all, having relationships that are outside of the partnership. So like still making time for friends, for girlfriends, for guy friends, for whoever, but making time to really connect with people outside of the partnership. So not just spending 24 seven together, even if you want to, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but making time for, for friendship and, and, and people who bring other perspectives in and then making time apart. Like one of the things that I really love about my relationship with Mark is that both of us are so independent, like, and so supportive of each other's independence, even though like inside my feminine is like, don't go when he's like <laughs> leaving for like a boy's week or, you know, to go hang out with his friends. Like, I really know that when we come back together, we're in such a better place, you know, and he supports me when I'm like, I want to go to India for three weeks or I'm going to Hawaii for however long. And he's like, okay, go like, go be free, have your independence. And then when we come back together, um, we're even stronger, you know? So I think having practices that give you space and independence can help you to have perspective within the partnership. Um, and so that could be travel if it's possible. It's not possible for everyone right now during the pandemic, but it also, I mean, I think the biggest one for me in a really micro level is a daily personal practice. Like every day I need to spend 30 minutes to an hour, at least like with myself, meditating, journaling, praying, doing yoga. Um, and that's a practice that's just for me. And in the past, when I was dating people, and even when I first started dating Mark, I kind of tried to make him do it with me. I'd be like, come do my sadhana. Like, let me show you this meditation that I do. Let's meditate together in the morning. And that can be really beautiful. And at this point, I can see that having that time by myself for myself is so important because it's in those moments where I really get clarity and perspective and I can say, okay, this is what's important to me and what I need to honor in order to feel filled up so that we are coming together as two whole people, not as two people trying to complete each other. Like, I don't think he completes me. Like, I think I I know I'm already complete and he's complete and we have beautiful gifts to offer each other. And sometimes it's beautiful to take them. And sometimes I pass. Yeah. And I think that ultimately like finding a partner who respects those, those routines and those sacred habits and moments that you have, you know, really worked to diligently create for yourself. That is important at the end of the day. And it might be great that they are also curious, like they, they're they're interested in learning about your practices, but that they respect and honor that you need that time is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that I really believe in the importance of giving yourself time alone to develop those practices. And I mean, I just think like I started dating when I was what, 14, probably 14, maybe 13 younger, like as I had my first little boyfriend. Right. Um, And I would, I mean, for most of my life didn't go for more than like a few months without a partner or at least going on dates or hooking up or hanging out with people, you know? And I think the greatest gift that I gave to myself was really taking that year of having a masculine cleanse where, you know, people ask me out during that time. And I would say like, no, I'm not dating right now. And then towards the end of it, I started, I went back on dating apps 
And I didn't go on dates, but I did like phone interviews and I would interview people <laughs> before <laughs> going out with them. And I was like, nope. And then I realized I was like, I'm not ready to date yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but I really gave myself a year of a cleanse. And I've studied, I've studied a lot with an incredible teacher, John Wineland, who mm-hmm. teaches the yoga of intimacy. He's such, such a great teacher. Um, and he's a big proponent of the masculine or the feminine cleanse. So when he's working with men, he'll say, well, it, I guess it just depends on, on your, on your preference. But uh, you know, if you if you date men, then go on a masculine cleanse. If you date women have a feminine cleanse and it could be three months, six months or a year, but take that time. If you're really feeling stuck in relationship, take that time to, for a set container, like really commit to three months, six months, a year, whatever it may be and date yourself, you know, and the partner you attract at the end of that cleanse period is going to be such a different person (laughs) than the person you attract when you're in that state of like, like, you know, dating for the sake of dating, looking to fill a need, looking to fill a hole, just trying to find someone. And when I was in that year, when it was really hard, especially in the beginning, and I was letting go of past partners and clearing that out, you know, and just really longing, like the feminine has the nature of of yearning, right? So like yearning for love, yearning to be filled, yearning for depth, yearning for connection. When I would feel that, I would pray. And I would say, you know, for me, I say the word God, but to me, God is love. But I would say like, dear God, thank you for sending me the right man in perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And just practice every day saying that prayer and trusting that like that man would come. And I didn't need to figure out when or how, you know? And so eventually like I sort of stopped saying that prayer because I just developed this trust that like, I didn't need to look, you know, I didn't need to search, you know, the Rumi quote, like what you seek is seeking you, like, just like stop looking and you'll find. And that's exactly what happened. I never would have guessed that I would have met him, you know, at that, at that recovery meeting, um, on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Had he ever been to that specific meeting before or was that the no, first time? No, it was his first time. That's amazing. Yeah. Just by complete chance. Uh, so, you know, I think you've touched on a, a few of these things already, but during that year in particular, where you were having that, that cleanse and taking the time off from dating, what would you say were, you know, one or two of the biggest things that you had to heal and overcome within yourself in order to call in the kind of love that you've created with Mark? Mm, I would say loneliness, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that like, I had a fear that being alone right now meant that I would be alone forever. And if I'm alone in this moment and, you know, I'm feeling feelings as we do, especially, I feel like I feel a lot of feelings, whether it's anxiety or excitement or sadness, you know, that those feelings are going to take me down. So I think like getting over that feeling of loneliness and being with it and letting it reveal whatever gifts it needed to reveal. Um, that was a big one. Um, other things that I needed to heal and that I healed in that period. I think like, I think really, yeah. Like doing things because I thought it was what other people wanted to do. 
And I know we, we sort of talked about that and like, there is a difference, I think, between being open to being led in the feminine and being open to someone offering you new experiences and sort of contorting yourself Mm -hmm. to become some way other than you are. So like for me, you know, it was a practice of getting really clear on what I like and what I don't like, you know, like, what do I like to eat? What do I like to spend my time doing? What do I like to watch on TV or not watch on TV, which I don't, you know, I don't like to watch TV. (laughs) Um, Like really getting clear on the things that fill me up um, and not having someone else putting in their two cents, you know, for a while, like, and, and now it's nice to have that again because I'm clear and I know and so I'm like, oh, I'm open to new possibilities. But for a while, it was really like not trying to be what someone thinks I should be. You know, I go on a date with someone yeah. and he's like, oh, do you like, I don't know, <laughs> you like uh, pasta? And I'm like, oh, I love pasta. But meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> gluten-free, you know? No, so the, it sounds so silly, but the amount of times I've lied about the foods that I like or even am allergic to or sensitive to just to like make a date feel comfortable is yeah. unreal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think like being on a path of, you know, healing and spirituality and um, it can be different than the path that many guys are on. And that's not to generalize, but like, I mean, when you, yeah, when you have a certain diet that you know your body needs or when you have spiritual practices that maybe they don't like to not feel like you have to hide that or change that, you know, I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking about, um, in, in a video earlier today, actually about how, you know, when I was, especially in earlier in my twenties, there were things that are now like deep core values and non-negotiable for me in a relationship that back then either weren't on my radar or that I would have compromised on them just for the sake of like being chosen by somebody. Yeah. Being in partnership with somebody and spirituality, I think is a great example of that because it's one of those things where it can feel like if somebody else isn't in that, that world, (laughs) that it it's, it's really different and might seem really out there, but getting really grounded and know that something that is a core value and so important to me helps align you with somebody else who's either going to share similar beliefs or just respect yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And then I'm thinking of another one, which is, you know, just because somebody likes you, you mentioned being chosen, right? Just because someone chooses you, doesn't mean that you have to choose them. Right. I think that's like one of the biggest things because what I tended to do was like someone would like me and choose me and I would be like, oh, okay. You know, even though there was this red flag or that red flag. And even like, or even though I was clear that I wanted someone who was open to spirituality and he's talking spirituality down, but I'd find a way to rationalize it or justify it, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's such a big one is like not ignoring red (laughs) flags, which it should be obvious, but the number of times I did it. And then I'm talking, you know, you hear, I hear people that I work with and girlfriends and it's like, 
he's amazing, but da 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 da. And all these things that are like non-negotiable, you know, but they're willing to excuse them just because they're so excited about the prospect of being with someone. Yeah. And I think that was one of the best things that Mark and I did in the beginning of our relationship, literally on our second date. And it felt so vulnerable, even though I'd been like writing down my moon manifesting intentions and all the things that I want in a partner for years. Um, we sat down and and said, what are you looking for in a partner? And we were just really honest about it. And we were on the same page, you know, but we gave each other the opportunity to say like, I am looking for marriage. I want to create a family. I, you know, for me, I was like, I really value growing my business. And he was like, I really want to have a partner that I can support in whatever they want. He was like, I love to support my partner. So we sat down and I mean, I remember when I, when I, on a second date told him like, well, I want someone who also wants to get married. Like, even though you're dating someone that shouldn't feel so vulnerable, it felt like, it felt like I was like proposing to him, you know, like, (laughs) do you also one day want to marry someone? And and he did, but like, not everyone does. Not everyone's in a place where they're ready for that or want that, you know? And so I was clear at that point that, you know, I didn't just want to date someone who was figuring it out and was maybe wanting to get married to someone one day. Like I wanted a partner who was ready to commit and ready to build a life together. And we express that, you know, and I think a lot of people and I, in the past myself, like you get into relationship and we create these stories and these fantasies and these dreams of like, well, he must love me because he texted me. He must Mm want to get married one day because he asked me on a second date. And it's like, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it can feel so vulnerable, but getting those conversations on the table early on is what helps you weed out the people who aren't aligned and connect with the one who is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you answered my qu- next question because I was going to ask <laughs> you if you had a list, <laughs> a list of, you know, qualities that you wanted in a partner and in a relationship. So that's beautiful that you guys had talked about that on date number two. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. And, you know, we continued like to do it and to check in and especially in the beginning of our relationship to just stay on the same page of like, is this what you want? And we you know, we didn't officially quote unquote, become boyfriend, girlfriend for a couple months, even after we were dating. Um, and it was something that we entered into like, like very intentionally. And, but even before that, we had a conversation where he sat me down and he said, just so you know, you know, I really like you. This is what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I know we're not making like a commitment to partnership right now, but at this time, like, I'm not going to be dating other people where are you at with that? You know? So like, there wasn't that vagueness of like, I wonder if he's going on dates with other girls or, you know, that can cause so much anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, it's just like really transparent and it was awesome because I was able to just relax, you know, because we were honest with each other about what we were looking for and how we felt. Yeah. And for, for anybody who's listening, who you know, has made a list or is maybe adding to their list. Like that's something you could add to it. Transparency and honesty, even early on in the dating process that you're both clear where you're at. Yeah. Conscious communication, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, we've, we've done a lot of work together. We've worked with John Wineland together and 
Um, we've done a lot of partnership work and couples work and intimacy work, and it's really fun. It's something that we've done right from the beginning of our relationship, which I think has helped us to lay this solid foundation. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a tool is developed by Harville Hendricks called the Imago Dialogue, which is a really cool tool in relationship of like clearing something. Because I think another thing that happens in partnership is like something's not okay and we either hold on to it or we're scared. We don't want to like kill the mood. We don't know how to safely express, you know, what's coming up for us. Um, but this is the technique of, of dialoguing where you create a safe container. Like you literally request, like, can we have a conversation and you schedule it within 24 hours of the request and you sit down and that person who's having the issue that needs to be cleared will say like, um, I'm feeling this. And the person doesn't try to argue or rationalize or justify or anything. Like they just reflect back, like that they hear you. They're like, oh, I hear that you're feeling this. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, is there anything else? And you're like, well, I'm also feeling this. And you can go through it and really express how you're feeling and, and be heard in the situation. And then at the end, you there's technique for resolving it. So like, it's really cool to look into these practices that are available to us of conscious communication, you know, because in the past, I didn't necessarily feel safe expressing when I was upset about something or, you know, had something on my heart. And I was like, I hope I could just sweep this under the rug, or I hope it will just get better if I'm better. And to be able to have clear conscious communication, I mean, put that on your manifesting list. It's the greatest gift. Absolutely. I I was talking to um, a therapist on the podcast recently, and one of the things she was saying was she wished that more couples didn't wait until, you know, shit hit the fan to to go to therapy and that more would just consciously address, you know, building a solid foundation in the relationship early on. And I love that you spoke to like you guys doing um, uh, like intimacy coaching together and like different types of conscious communication work even in the beginning, while the relationship is still great and happy and in a really good place so that it doesn't have to get to a stressful place in order to then start to learn those things. Yeah. And it's so cool because if you do that from the beginning, if you call in a partner who's willing to do that work, like there's no history there, you know? And it was funny because when we were starting doing this work and we do programs, there are couples who have been together for five, 10, 20 years. And there's at that point can be so much resentment and so much hurt. And like, you sort of have to cut through that in order to deal with the issue versus when we start from the beginning in this place of like, okay, let's communicate. Let's build these practices together. Let's look at like, what do we want out of our partnership? What does partnership even mean to you? Um, You're building from scratch rather than having to like tear away the ivy and debris and garbage in order to get back to that place where you can find healing. Of course. Yeah. And obviously being somebody, you know, yourself who was at a place in your life and just, you are a person who is so committed to your own growth, personal growth, spiritual growth and healing that of course, you know, you're going to call in somebody who matches that vibration. But do you think that meeting Mark was a direct effect of like committing to your healing in that, that year where you were really focused on it? Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred (laughs) percent. So kind of parallel to that, then do you believe in the idea of soulmates or twin flames even? I believe that we have 
so many soulmates. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, yeah. And I don't think that there's like one soulmate, one twin flame type thing. I mean, I think twin flame is, it's a different thing. It's kind of a different conversation, but I think that everyone that we meet, um, in some form is a soulmate. Some are deeper soulmate connections than others, but I really do believe in this sort of golden web that connects us. And, you know, why are there some people that we cross paths with over and over, you know, why are there some people that we have these synchronicities with? Um, I think that we are all in each other's lives to serve as teachers and guides, and we don't necessarily know what the lesson um, or, or blessing that person is in our life to offer us. And so when it comes to soulmates in terms of like partners, you know, I think that everyone that I've dated and been with has been a soulmate in some form and they've helped to evolve my soul. You know, they've all taught me incredible lessons and even the ones who broke my heart and, you know, gave me painful lessons. Um, they were teachers, you know, they were teachers and they were gifts. And I think that that's sort of the purpose of soulmates is to help with the evolution of our souls. And they say that relationship is the highest form of yoga because it is like we're mirrors for each other. You can't look away when you're in a romantic relationship, like you will trigger stuff in another person. And some of us have more karmic soulmate relationships than others. But, um, Yeah. I think, I think looking at every relationship as a gift and not looking for anyone to be your savior or your, you know, your hero, like you are your own best healer, hero, savior. You're like, you're the one, you know, and everyone's just a reflection of that in some way. And, you know, whatever partners you call in are, are there to reflect different elements of you that need to be healed or evolved. And, um, I think we're so lucky. We, we, we are lucky if we can find a partner, a soulmate in this lifetime, who's willing to grow and evolve with us for the long run, you know? So that's what I'm so grateful to have in Mark. And it makes me feel emotional to think about like, you know, like, I just can't wait to continue growing together with him, you know, and I don't ever expect him to be fully healed or myself be fully healed or, but we, we come together as two whole people looking to grow and, expand and experience life all of the beauty of life together that's so beautiful so powerful and for somebody who is interested in in finding and calling in that type of partnership in their life what would you say to somebody who has maybe lost hope that they will ever meet somebody like that Mm. Don't give up hope. (laughs) There's always hope. And I would say, start by finding that love for yourself. Yeah. You know, take yourself on a date. Like, what is your dream date? And start to romance yourself. And when I was ready to call in a partner, like, I realized one of the things I'd been doing was I would like get takeout and like eat it in my car. (laughs) You know, like, I I didn't have very much space for partnership, you know, like that's not a way of like dating. That's not how I would have wanted to date. Someone is like rushing around eating takeout in my car with someone like, so how can you create a beautiful dinner for yourself at home, you know, or go out to a restaurant, even if it's by yourself and enjoy it, savor it, treat yourself. Like if you would want 
you know, like what lights you up, what fills you up, what inspires you, what makes you feel special and beautiful and, and sexy and give yourself those experiences. Like I said, like I went to Italy and I wanted so badly a partner to ride on the gondola with me, but I was like, I'm not going to not ride the gondola. So I like (laughs) put myself on a gondola ride and it was so romantic, but just for me. (laughs) So yeah, there is so much hope, but like, it really starts with you. So stop looking outside yourself for the person Mm. and make that person you. And what happens then is that you become magnetic. Yeah. And, and that's why I say like, you know, there was a period where I was like screening people and, and telling people like, no, I'm not dating right now because the more you fill yourself up and really embody that love and that wholeness, you're going to attract people. And it's, it's important that you're clear on your list, you know, of non-negotiables and red flags at that point, because when you see that red flag, you get to say, thank you, no, thank you, you know, and wait for the person because they're, the person is there, like they are there. And every time you settle or compromise or say yes, when you really mean no, um, you're taking a step away from that right person. You know, you not, you don't have to compromise. Yes. You can be open to the possibilities and open to new experiences, but when you feel a sacred no, um, honor that because it's creating space for your divine yes to come in. Hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. And that touches on a lot. One of the last questions that I love to ask people on the show is, is sharing one habit or practice that you would recommend for people to invite more self-love into their lives. And I, I love the examples that you shared about taking yourself on dates and finding what makes you feel sexy and the things that light you up is, are those kind of what you would recommend in the realm of self-love? Yeah, I think, oh, <laughs> there's so many. I know your whole life is like <laughs> beautiful self-love practices. But I think, I think the best self-love practice you can have is to just be kind to yourself and to just forgive yourself. You know, for me, for so long, like my mantra that I would say over and over was like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. You know, and And having little affirmations like that, I would put, and I actually give these out to people now, I made them into little cards, but I had one on my rearview mirror that said, please be kind to yourself. And I had another one on my bathroom mirror that said, I love you. God loves you. Everything's okay. You know, and just be kind to yourself. I think that's it. Like, I think if we are kind to ourselves and really honor how special you are, you know, and how worthy you are of all your love and all the love that this world has to offer. Like that is going to attract a partner who meets you there, you know, and it's, it's normal when you're human to have (laughs) negative thoughts and judgmental thoughts. And this is coming from a girl who's bald, who spent 22 years hiding that her hair was falling out. Like I had all the self-loathing thoughts but I just stopped giving them energy. And I started saying, I'm okay. I'm enough. I'm beautiful. I'm loved. And, and going to sound baths and really embodying that. And as that happened, um, that's the love that I started to receive from the world around me too, but it, it started from within me. So I think self-love really does start from within and from being kind, kind to yourself. 
I feel like you are such a beautiful example of that too, because anybody who's ever met you knows that you just have this radiance about you. And it's like, you are glowing mm-hmm. and exude the energy of love. And I know that that starts with the work that you do within yourself to, to love you first. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I'll end with this and spoiler spoiler alert for everybody who's listening because we didn't touch on this yet but Susie's love story has definitely blossomed and evolved and it's beautiful to (laughs) where she's getting married and having a baby this year and it's amazing (laughs) so knowing what you know now about your love story what would you say to your younger self let's say a year before you met Mark Mm, it's all happening (laughs) it's all happening yeah it's well I mean just it is like I think that's the fear and I think that's what we've talked so much about is like why we settle you know because we're worried it's not going to happen but like it is happening like it's already happening everything you're doing like everything that I did in the years leading up to meeting Mark was getting me to the place where I needed to be in order to meet him Mm -hmm. you know And to be able to receive him and to be able to be with him. And so it's all already happening. And I think if we can just stop trying to be, I I would tell myself, like, you know, slow down. I had this, another affirmation that I I have a card of, which I used to have on my desk was patience is another form of action. Like Hmm. you don't need to do anything. Like you're already doing it. Just be kind to yourself, love yourself and trust the process. It's really, it's, it's all happening. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. And I'm so grateful to, to get to watch it unfold and see it all happen. So beautiful. Mm, Well, I'm so grateful to be on this journey together. I love you so much, Megan. You're such, such a beautiful light in this world and in my life. And I'm so grateful. The feeling is so mutual and I'm so, so appreciative that you, we're willing to open up and have this conversation with me on the show. I think so many people are going to benefit from hearing, hearing it and all the things. So if people want to learn more about you, follow your journey, attend your sound baths, learn how to become a sound healer, all the things, (laughs) where can they find you? Yes. Come experience the healing frequencies and the frequency of love. Um, You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is the copper vessel. And my website is www.thecoppervessel.com. So yeah, please reach out, send me a DM. I answer all my DMs myself. I love to hear from you. I love to connect. Like it's, I mean, the community that I have through Instagram is, it's like my heart and soul, truly. It's so special. So please, if you're listening to this, if anything that you heard today touched you, or if you want support, please connect with me. And I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. And if you have never attended a sound bath before, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Susie is so magical. So definitely check out her offerings in that regard. Yeah. Well, and if you're not already a member of the self-care space, I'm on the advisory board there and we do sound baths every month. So come join me and Megan in the self-care space. And that's a perfect way where you can get all the self-care and magic. (laughs) So many good things. Yeah. Susie has incredible themes each month and it's definitely our members favorite event by far. So you can Mm. check out, check her out there too. Thank you so much again, Susie, for coming on. I love you so much and really appreciate you.
Thanks, Megan. I love you. (laughs) Thank you to everybody who tuned in today. We appreciate you guys listening, holding space. If you know anybody who could benefit from hearing this episode, hearing Susie's love story, learning about sound healing, make sure to share the episode with them and share the love and send in any questions. Reach out to either of us if you feel like connecting. And until next time, as always, have a happy and healthy and love-filled day.